And let me just tell you, uh-huh, this right here is my shit. And all the girls, they stomp their feet like this. And a few times I have been around that track. So let me tell you, it's not going to happen like that, Jacob B. Because I ain't no hollaback girl. I ain't no hollaback girl. This is Chapel Bell Curve. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And today, we are going to go through all of you and your and y'all's lovely questions to start the season off with. You know, we we talked about in the first couple episodes that we'd be changing the format a little bit up, uh, especially with regard to the Ask CBCs, um, so that we could actually make the episodes a little tighter and uh, get in, get out, make sure that everybody has what they need, and then be able to pepper in these Ask CBC episodes every once in a while. You know, like, for instance, when we don't have a lot to talk about with a game, or there's just not a whole lot going on in the middle of the season. And so we're here just to start the season out with a whole slew of questions, because you've all been sitting on these through the off season. Nathan, did I miss anything? No. Does that sound good? Does that feel good? No, yeah, I, I'm very happy that you're here. I... I'm happy to be here with all of you listening and happy to be here with my bud. So if this is your first time joining us, well, first of all, what what an episode to choose. Welcome. If you are listening to this podcast because I put up a video of the Redcoats that inexplicably got shared like hundreds of times and has 50,000 views now, welcome. I'm glad that we we were able to lure you in with the, the talent of the Redcoats. Gotcha. If this is your first time, however, this is not what a normal episode would sound like. Generally speaking, we have two episode formats, or well, I guess we have three now, right? We have a preview episode in season, we have a review episode in season, and then we have some some sort of special classified episodes that we do, such as the SCBC. This SCBC, based on the questions, we're going to do a little bit of stats. We're going to do a lot of meme lording. We're going to do a pretty good <laughs> amount of talking just mad, mad smack at several people, uh, several of our rivals in the SEC. And I think that's pretty much mm-hmm, part mm-hmm. for the course for the SCBC. So before we get started, I do want to say one other thing. If you like what you heard here, and maybe you're a new listener, or maybe you're an old listener who's just, you know, hasn't taken the plunge yet, we would love to have you over at Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash chapel bell curve, you can join for as little as $1 and that gets you access to our excellent discord. A couple of our discord members are currently listening to us record this live. And that's one of our benefits is that you get access to the live recordings. You get your own feed of the podcast where you get a more unedited sort of raw version of the podcast where we leave in a lot of the stuff that would get us in trouble if we put it out there publicly. And, you know, if you put Oops. enough money in, you can actually design a segment for the for the podcast itself. This week, we are going to have a segment that we talk about that is sort of driven by our $50 patron patrons, Abby and Ben. So I guess without any further ado, we'll let's dig right in. Let's and dig in. I will say that if if you want to hear your questions asked on the show, you can either send them to us over Gmail at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter, which is the only thing that either of us really uses Twitter for, with a hashtag AskCBC or send them over on slide up in those DMs. Or uh, there have been people in the past that have actually put notes into Nathan's pockets at football games. So if you find yourself near the red coat band and you see a uh, quite a, a like a tall, how would we describe you, Nathan? Tall, like, like, like a like a man shaped like a refrigerator box. If you took yeah. if you took a mini fridge and stuck arms on it and then made it look walk like Sasquatch, that would be, I think, it. That's please, our boy. 
Please Usually also he's staring. He's got the thousand yard stare. I do thousand yard <laughs> stare. Yes, quite a bit. I will also say. Yeah. I, I usually put my hand. I usually put my hand over my mouth if I'm at a game because I gawk a lot. I like my mouth opens, so I'm not actually being that serious. I just don't want to be caught on camera with my mouth wide open like an idiot. So uh -huh, if you uh -huh. please, if you don't know me, just just say, "Hey, can I put an Axe CBC in your pocket?" And then I'll say yes. But if you know me, then I guess absolutely you can violate all of my personal space. But if you don't know me, please ask first. You know, consent is important. Anyway, perfect. Get so, us those questions, yeah. We have we have questions from three different sources today. We are going to, I think, we have some questions from our Discord. We have Twitter questions, and then we have questions from our $50 patrons, Abby and Ben. And I thought maybe we should start out with theirs. So everybody has listened to it because Abby and Ben are the longest time supporters of this podcast. They're sort of the OG mm -hmm. CBC listeners. They were listening to it before any of our friends or family or spouses were. So let's start with their question this week, which is... What's a campaign idea you put a lot of thought into but never got to run? So I guess we're, we're talking about tabletop role-playing games here. So I, I mm. asked this question to you, Justin. I have written and never run a campaign that is set in the world of Changeling, which is like um, terrifying, terrible, like actual fairies. People think fairies and they think like fairy godparents or they think, you know, like Snow White. Well, not Snow White, but Cinderella. And Changeling are they're actual fae and they're terrifying and beautiful and hedonistic and all of the things you, you can think of. But I had written a changeling campaign that was sort of, um, it was a murder mystery and it was sort of based with a sort of great Gatsby party aesthetic. And so, um, there's a murder mystery happening, but it's not the kind of murder mystery that stops the party and all the guests get involved. It's more like there are murders happening at this party this 1920s-esque party and nobody seems to be noticing other than the party members and everyone is just hooping and hollering and having a great time and so i really love writing stories and campaign stories specifically that can be played with some twists and turns and things like that that i know that i'm hoping you work your way to and so that is one of those that i have not yet put to practice but i have it all in my head and i think about it often what about you well i guess there's two one of them is there is this game called Eclipse Phase that I want to run where you uh, Eclipse Phase is like a far future transhumanist uh, TTRPG about like the mm. the point in humanity where humans start to be able to sort of switch their consciousnesses between bodies, and in Eclipse Phase you have you have a character sheet for your consciousness like the writer the pilot, and then you have a character sheet for the sleeve, like whatever body you're into. And I really want to play a role-playing game where it's like a detective mystery where the party goes into this sort of abandoned, well, not abandoned, but this asteroid mining complex in which they'd all been murdered. And then now they're mm -hmm. trying to retrace <laughs> their steps of like, we were sent to investigate this and we all got killed. And now we're back in a separate, in like new bodies, you know, or whatever. And we don't have... It's, it's impossible for us to know what happened because we don't have our memories from before. So I really want to play that because it seems trippy and cool and crazy. I really also want to play like a Zhangji RPG, which is or a Wuja or RPG, which is Chinese high fantasy. There's a lot of them. The, the one that I, I think I want to play the most is there is one called Hearts of Wu Lin, 
which is a wuji over the top crouching dagger hidden dragon like all your characters are ultra powerful but they all have a contradiction at their heart like they have torn allegiances <laughs> between their their forbidden love and their brother and their martial brother or whatever and i, I really want to play that because i love chinese mythology and i love chinese fantasy novels I, i've read a, a staggering amount of chinese fantasy novels to be a white guy from georgia and so those are, but those are both like such niche games and ideas that I, I have never had the balls to go to my friends and be like, okay, I know that n- none of you care about any of this, but I need you all to sit down for three to six months so that I can get my, so I can get my kinks worked on or whatever. I love it. I also, I will say one campaign that I had stuck in my head for a long time and I finally got to run this past year was a Christmas campaign that was Krampus. Krampus was involved in the story in some oh, way. Oh, yeah. But it was, a, it was a town that celebrated Krampus, but it was kind of like tongue-in-cheek and just something they did. And the moment that people stop believing in Krampus and stop you know, doing all the things they joked that kept Krampus away, Krampus, of course, shows up. So it is. it was a lot of fun. I did that with uh, Anna and Peter and somebody else, I think. But it was a lot of fun. That's amazing. We got some more questions here. Do you want to dig into them? I would love to. So we're going to start with our questions from our Discord here. These are our Discord members who who paid the the massive, inconceivable sum of $1 a month, at least, to get these questions delivered straight to us, <laughs> some of whom are massive currently... Inconceivable. Yeah, inconceivable. Some of whom are currently listening to us right now. We're very happy to have them. So do you want to hit, do you want to hit me first? Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? I got who, you. Who goes first? I got you. I go first. You go first. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I have a question here from K Sarge, Kyle Sargent. Please rank the following number ones. Number one, Georgia football. Thank you. <laughs> this is the most Kyle Sargent question ever because it's, <laughs> it's like unanswerable meme Lord BS. And I'm glad that we're starting on it. Well, yeah, I guess, you know, mm-hmm, number mm-hmm. one, by all accounts, unchallenged. Number one, undisputed champion. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Christy and London, which is my new... (laughs) I love that Chris D has left it as Christy and London. Christy and London asks... (laughs) Oh, we're not going to explain. All right, go ahead. (laughs) No. Pray tell. Who's that coming down the track? Well, based on the reaction from the video on our Twitter, we're going to go ahead and say the University of Georgia Redcoat Band and nothing finer. Do you want to... Can I provide a soapbox here for you to talk about? The difference between the drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan. Oh and yeah. Okay. The... So listen, listen. When the <laughs> chant I? happens, now look. If you have just taken over a small town in Indiana and you want to just yell at some Midwesterners, that's fine. God knows, I'm into that. That does it for me. But if you are listening to the band, do the chant. Don't do the drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan thing because that's not how the chant goes. Now, if you're doing it yourself, if you're at your tailgate and you want to embarrass your family and possibly put incriminating evidence of your crimes onto the internet, sure, drunk, obnoxious, (laughs) Georgia fan, all you want. We don't want any responsibility for that. But if we are marching by you, say the words correctly, we are screaming them. There's 420 of us. It's not hard. Anyway, I'm done. (laughs) Jacob, in quotes, registered dietitian B, asks... One, welcome back. Not a question, Jacob, but yes, I appreciate it. Two, who do you think we see transfer this winter? Brock, Carson, or Gunner? I don't think it's going to be Gunner just because he's younger. I think it's probably either Brock or Carson. You would say in a vacuum that it would probably be Carson Beck because he's older, he has less eligibility, and he's not from Athens the way that Brock Vandegriff is. But there have been sort of mm-hmm. rumblings that Brock is having a hard time picking up the, the playbook. 
I think probably Carson Beck seems the most likely of the three. Somebody's transferring. Uh, is there any scenario in which, this is not a question, this is my question. Is there any scenario in which it's not an or, but an and? I don't think so in terms of winter transfers. I could see us losing Carson at the end of the year. But the thing is, too, if you are the... So, okay, here's the thing. It makes more sense for me for someone to transfer in the spring. Because if anybody mm-hmm. makes it... Any any quarterback who makes it through the season on the roster has an equal chance to start because you know that Stetson is going to be gone. I actually think it's way more likely that we use lose one or two of these guys in the spring. And But the problem is the only way I could see it being two is if Gunner gets the spot. Because it, I mm-hmm. think Gunnar Stockton is going to stay because he will just be a sophomore at that point. That makes sense. Number three, will Stetson statistically be a top five quarterback this year? I doubt it. I, I don't think so. You know, I think if you're thinking in terms of efficiency, then there's certainly an argument to be made that he might. But we saw last year in his best year in a Georgia uniform that, you know, even with extra games, he did not amass quite the yardage numbers and definitely not the touchdown numbers that the very top cj stroud bryce young style quarterbacks did let me ask you this i don't know the answer to this question so i want you to answer it because i don't know how to answer this what exactly is a hollow back girl justin good luck oh boy well if you take a trip with me down memory lane to the year 2004 gwen stefani is on the radio and she's just released the beautiful album love angel music baby and let me just tell you uh uh-huh this right here is my shit. And all the girls, they stomp their feet like this. And a few times I have been around that track. So let me tell you, it's not going to happen like that, Jacob B. Because I ain't no hollaback girl. I ain't no hollaback girl. And that is what exactly a hollaback girl is. Ah, it's sort of a, it's sort of a recursive refusal to define itself. It, this is a question that we, this is another question. This next one who that's from Joel House of Gata our old friend Joel, if, and, and I'd like both of us to answer this because I feel like neither of us, well, I watch a lot of TikToks, but I feel like we have different sides of TikToks. So if all of the do. SEC teams were embodied as TikTokers, what sort of content or theme do you think each school would produce? I want, first, before you answer this, I want you to say, <laughs> let, let me produce, let me give you the format in which I'd like for you to tell me um, okay. the answer of this question. But the question is, what is your TikTok? And so, I can tell you that my TikTok is basically animals eating foods because it's hilarious. I hate listening to humans eat food, but I love listening to animals eat food. Okay. Um, it's also people talking about ADHD, and then it's like a lot of gay content. <laughs> and that's that's my twit my my TikTok presence. What is yours? Here's the what does it hand you? Here's the interesting thing. I do not have ADHD, and I certainly don't begrudge anyone who makes TikToks about ADHD. But, like, TikTok constantly feeds me ADHD content. I know I don't have ADHD. The algorithm's pretty smart. Here's (laughs) No, but here's why I know. Because I've been professionally evaluated for ADHD, and I know I don't have it. So, anyway, TikTok, I'm just saying, disability advocacy is important and awesome, but I, I don't need that. So, what I do get is I get cats, because I send all the cat TikToks I see to Samantha. I get... A fair amount of just people building things like carpentry TikTok. I really, there's a part of me that really wants to do woodworking and the part of me mm. that wants to be 50 years old, I guess. And I really, there's this <laughs> Irish guy 
there's this Irish guy who does like hand tool only woodworking where he buys the metal tool heads for all of his tools and does goes as far to as to like carve the handles for everything and book shave everything. So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I get a fair amount of just sort of random meme uh, content. And I'm going to be honest, I definitely don't discourage this last one, which is basically any kind of alt woman TikTok. I get a lot of mm, that. The thirst traps. Yeah. But I specifically get any combination of tattoos, goth girls. It's mainly those two. Alt girls, thirst traps. And look, I'll be real. I have not discouraged this. So it's not, I'm not, I'm not like the lady doth not protest too much. I know what I'm getting. All right. Let's answer the question. And we don't have to, we don't have to do all 14 teams. So like, let's just talk about mm-hmm. the ones that come to mind. Hmm. Bama. So Bama is definitely like the sort of my OOTD Bama rush TikTok. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. hey, y'all, today's OTD. I got these shoes from Nike <laughs> and these pants with, or these tights were from Lululemon and this shirt was from Shein. Yay! <laughs> or whatever. That's Bama for sure. Florida's just bikini, bikini, bikini ridden thirst traps. And they're always like trying to, you know, the TikToks that are trying to pass is like funny, but there's really no joke and it's just somebody hot and yeah. scantily clad. That's yeah. the Florida one. Yeah, for sure. It's like there's really no substance here, but you are the substance, I guess. So I I think that Vanderbilt is just history t- TikToks, which I'm also on. It's just it's just mm. like an old man who's did you know? And then he talks about like Otto von Bismarck or this the sinking of a ship in the 1800s for three minutes. That's definitely Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Auburn is that brand of TikTok that is just you know it's the same person playing multiple roles in a video. They're like my mom and me. But it's all about us in church, like my mom at church, and it's me at church. It's like me fiddling yeah. with stuff, and my mom son, doing things my that Sunday mom does teacher. at church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like the joke is just, oh, that happened to me too. The South Carolina, <laughs> like, okay. South Carolina is the guy, and then this is maybe giving South Carolina too much credit because I love this guy. But you know the guy on TikTok who mm-hmm. drinks twelve beers in a sitting and reviews the beer at four beers, yes. eight beers, and twelve beers. That's definitely South uh-huh. Car- South Carolina. Where it's, we're twelve beers in. We're feeling good. And his whole sort of like, you could just see his like mental state degrade over the, the three segments of the TikTok. That's definitely South Carolina. Ooh, Kentucky's is, theirs is just Vine. It's <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I, I think Tennessee is the kind of TikTok that you don't want to like, but you watch a lot. So you get it a lot. That's like just mm-hmm. rednecks fighting, you know, where you watch a TikTok mm-hmm. and you think, I really should not be validating this with my time and attention, and yet I am going to watch <laughs> these two women beat the hell out of each other in a Dollar General parking lot. You know what I mean? Like I am give, monetizing the worst parts of humanity. I think that LSU's is either, it's tied for me in my head. It could be both even. It could be conspiracy theories, passed off as real, and or people being interviewed in short spurts about their house being haunted or like their car hell being haunted yes. or something that is not typically haunted but is definitely haunted. Arkansas is the, you watch the TikToks and it's just like a Southern kind of housewife type lady who's doing super cool. She's doing some kind of super cool recipe and you really dig it. And then you realize that she's actually a serious prepper. Like it's not a joke that she's doing <laughs> these canning videos. Like the, you know how, how bad politics are and there's all these natural disasters. So I'm going to cook 
eight pounds of beef roast and then I'm going to can it. And at first you're in until you see the like comment that says, well, you know, Joe Biden's destabilizing the government or whatever. So I have 800 pounds of canned beef roast in my <laughs> my basement. That's that's Arkansas for sure. I'm trying. I'm, I'm blanking on Mississippi State, Texas A&M. Oh, okay, okay. I actually I have a couple for this. So, well, okay. Texas A&M is just like construction and worksite TikTok. You know the mm-hmm. the ones that are like we're here on this oil rig oh, and yeah. let's show you how it's done or. I own this yacht. Let's walk around this yacht. It's somehow working class, but millionaire at the same time, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I, oh, I, yeah. I, def- I like that. I definitely think with the Grove that Mississippi, like Ole Miss is just like the, the sort of camping TikTok where it's just kind of atmospheric mm-hmm. videos with no talking of oh, yeah. uh, setting up camping a tent in the rain. Yeah. Which by the way is like one of my favorite sides of TikTok for sure. I think Mississippi States is actually, it's crime scene cleanup TikTok. Ha! What a specific, <laughs> what a specific response. Yeah, it's just, it's weird. And it's like every once in a while, it's oddly problematic. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is really factual and interesting. And it's like, they sometimes drop something and make you question and like, Ed, are they racist? Am I racist for listening to this? <laughs> That's so good, dude. Are they racist? Oh, what about Georgia? Georgia, we haven't done Georgia. <laughs> oh, womp womp. What is a TikTok that people hate to love? Georgia are those guys that do the sort of back off challenge where they talk crap as people are walking up to to like swing at a golf ball, <laughs> insult them so that they stop <laughs> and have to reset their swing, where it's like, mm-hmm. this is funny. I don't want to validate this, but it is funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's problematic. But it's funny. Yeah, it's it's very problematic. And it's but not it's, hurting it's anybody. It's still funny. Mm-hmm. All right. Those are your SEC teams, as if they were TikTokers. Boom. Next question Done. comes from M. Ned Videk. With all the stats, focus, and predictive data modeling <laughs> that comes from this community, I'm thinking about placing small, educated sports bets this season, but have no experience therein. What platforms and or types of bets do you recommend for and against? Any other tips for a newcomer or hot bets to keep an eye on? And in parentheses, some disclaimer about not providing official financial advice and knowing the risk of investments lost, et cetera, of course. Right. Yeah. Don't bet in on anything that we're about to say. I We are going to mostly Mm-mm. punt this question because neither of us are really sports betting guys. But on our Discord, well, Ross... I used to be. Okay. You used to be. So you could give us some input. I, I will say that on our Discord, Ross sort of got into a little bit of his... Because I think Ross is going to be doing some betting based on his stats this year. And he kind of got into sort of his process and he sort of has a bankroll. And I think he's going to be betting one to 5% on each bet of his total bankroll. And he talked a lot about how it's not an investment. It's, you know, a money sink and you have to basically pretend you don't have the money that you've set out to bet. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't bet really. So why don't you give us some insight? Mm -hmm. That is true. Yeah. The, the, the takeaways and the things I can say and give as advice are one, do not think you are going to win any money. Do not put any money into it. If you cannot lose that money Two, only bet on the, um, I'm trying to remember what they're called, but they're the, the really simple bets. Like don't bet on anything. Like uh, you're not like, pushing huge bets worth a lot. Yeah, don't do that. Bits. That's wasting your money. Let me let me put it this way. 
if you play roulette, roulette is a game where you have to be okay with throwing your money away because you almost always are. You do not put money on a number. That's the same as you, you know, betting on like parlays and certain specific triggering things happening. Instead, you bet on red or black. Bet on the things that you have a close to 50% chance of winning and bet those like small amounts. Like turn your $1 into $2, turn your $2 into $4. Don't bet $100 because you know it could be $1,000 because it's never going to be $1,000. <laughs> that's that's my advice for that. And do those $1 bets like a thousand times if you want. That's where the real money is made. That's great. Yeah. So better better advice than I have. Of course, don't take simple. any of our advice and don't spend money because we're not smart. So, well, no, we are smart, but we're not smart about this thing. Next question comes from Steven. Hello and welcome back. So happy it's almost football time again. Feel free to use any or none of these as you please. Number one. I've heard other sports commentators, in parentheses, Stephen Godfrey, but you don't have to name him, huh. downplay George's offense. I love how I've said everything that he said. You don't have to do this. But he's heard Stephen Godfrey downplayed George's offensive success last year as a product of how good the defense was. The accusation is that the offense was great because they had all time, they had an all-time defense protecting them and providing excellent field position. This feels like sour grapes to me, but I'm wondering if there's anything statistically you can take, you can talk about either way. Put simply, George's newfound offensive success real or fake i think it's a i think it's more real than fake i think that it is true that there's no way to argue that georgia's offense was helped by its defensive success and just the defense's ability to generate three and outs almost at will definitely figures into your game plan as an offense so i i there's no way Mm -hmm. that i can think of that you would say that that's that didn't affect it but you know, one yeah. of the criticisms that I've seen from Stephen Godfrey in particular, but I think some other people too, is this idea that that Georgia is still sort of a very outdated, simplistic, or somehow like regressive offense philosophy-wise and in terms of schematics. And that is not true. That, you know, we did yeah. a few years ago when Todd Munkin first came in, Graham Coffey and I wrote something about the history of Munkin and, you know, his roots and offensively sort of the philosophies of his play calls. And while certainly he has been a little bit more conservative since he came to Georgia, just in terms of run pass splits and in terms of his willingness to just run heavy, you know, more traditional, you know, 12 personnel, at least 13 personnel sometimes have definitely increased. I think that Georgia's offense still at its heart is derived in many ways from Oklahoma, the Oklahoma state offenses of the mid 2010s. And I think if you look at Georgia's vertical passing attack, the biggest problem with it has not been the ability to scheme someone open. It's the, it's the inability of Georgia's quarterbacks over the last few years to hit open players downfield. And while this is certainly something Stetson's gotten way better about, I think if I have any, not criticism, but worry about Stetson Bennett going into his last year in the program, it's that, this is at its base a this is a an offense i think from a philosophical standpoint designed to do two things right run the hell out of the ball using zone schemes right sometimes using split zone sometimes using duo sometimes using inside zone outside zone etc right and scheme open big plays downfield generally speaking those schemed open plays aren't catch and run plays they aren't you know georgia hasn't had the wide receiver speed to have a guy catch the ball five yards past the line of scrimmage and then run it for 95. But Georgia is willing to throw deep and has a pretty high depth of target, you know, or did last year in relation to the whole rest of college football. So I think 
I, I don't think you can argue that the defense didn't help Georgia's offense, but I do think that the idea that Georgia still somehow runs this sort of, I don't know, old school, boring defensive coach offensive uh, plan in terms of the, just the way the their their offense is philosophically built, I think that that is totally BS. And I'll, I'll just add that the offensive side of the ball does not exist in a vacuum. Right. You have to consider both sides of the ball as contributing to one another and taking away from one another at any point in the game. Like it's it's a non-starter I feel to say that oh the offense was just helped by the defense it's not any good. I'm like that's that's ignoring the fact that that does contribute greatly to the mm-hmm. product that is the offensive success. The next question from Steven. I've looked at the schedule several times and I just don't see anything to be worried about pre postseason. What games this year are going to make us pull our collective hair out as dog fans? Well, I mean, we've kind of answered this in the season preview, but I, I think I sort of think South Carolina might be a problem just because of when it is and how South Carolina's home field affects teams. I think also Mississippi State State is going to be a sneaky, difficult game. I think historically year three for Mike Leach led teams has been a, a pretty important one. So those were the two mm-hmm. that I would think. I mean, Kentucky, I think, is the third option. The reason that I'm not as stressed about Kentucky, even though I think they are by far the most talented of all three of those teams, is that Kentucky generally plays the kind of ball that UGA is very comfortable handling. You know, I don't think that UGA's defense was uncomfortable handling handling anything last year, but mm-hmm. I, it is also true, I think, that probably more susceptible to uh, Mike Leachian pure air raid than sort of whatever it is that you want to say that Stoops is running up there, which is, I guess, sort of importing the run it up the middle, throw it deep NFL style. I I will also say that a lot of people are talking about Tennessee, but I think this happens every preseason. But at the same time, I feel like this is the first time that they could just come and be first time in a while. They could just come and just be super obnoxious and play sort of with their their hair on fire in a way that's not, you know, constructive or good, but more like uh, a rocket without a real goal in mind (laughs) we'll see we'll see if they've actually gotten their shit together or not but when you think back to last season what is your favorite lasting memory of that special run it was probably when we made jordan davis an honorary red coat that was just Hmm. being right there was i don't know just a really special moment for me personally what about i think that i will always remember being downtown at all good yeah. Uh, that's where we watched the game and uh we were just super dialed into the the whole time and when Ringo caught the like I did not think that we were going to win because of you know self-doubt until Ringo finally caught the interception even though my brain was telling me on the other side like we're going to be fine and there's no way it can they can come back at this point mm-hmm. um but the moment he caught the ball we ran like sprinted to the chapel bell and were the first people there to ring the bell and I couldn't ring the bell because I was, I was too emotional and too drunk to try and ring the bell. I couldn't figure out the mechanism and how it worked. So All, it's I just go back the next, down, I, dude. I, I know it didn't work. I don't know why I was just so excited. There's a picture of me just absolutely unhinged trying to pull the bell. And I was, I think I was pulling too hard was the problem and it wasn't working properly, but I did go back a few days later and I, I did conquer the bell, but that was one of my favorite memories from last year. I think God almighty. I, <laughs> you've just like knocked every thought out of my head. 
somehow. I don't. Uh, I <laughs> also, did you read or play anything worth recommending this off season? Is our final question from Steven. Read or play anything? Yeah. Well, I have one that I watched. I watched Shorzy, which is a mm-hmm. spinoff of Letterkenny, which is another show that I stumped for relentlessly. I actually like Shorzy more than Letterkenny. Shorzy, it's only six episodes. It's on Hulu right now. It is my favorite season of TV ever. I've watched it twice through. I've cried every time. I even made my wife watch it, and she actually liked it. It is, it's about minor league hockey in Canada, and it sort of has, not in terms of plot, but in terms of the ability to make you suddenly very emotional, it has a little bit of Ted Lasso in it. Uh, it Ted Lasso, mm-hmm. if they cursed constantly, like... I'm going to I'm going to say a bad word, but no, I'm not. You know, what? I can't say anything from that. It is filthy, but it it, it is one of those. <laughs> it is one of those shows that really gets to you about the value of sports and what sports mean to communities and what they mean to people in them, while at the same time being to me, like relentlessly hilarious, like just constantly. It's I think the funniest show I've I've seen in a long time. I've been reading a really good book series on Amazon called Beware of Chicken that is a cultivation novel about sort of a fantasy mythological version of China where a guy gets launched from Earth into this version of China. He gets essekied where he sort of gets transferred into the the body of someone who's just died. And his reaction is to go and become a farmer because he doesn't want to deal with sort of the big political stuff. And it's just incredibly funny. And it's about how he accidentally makes a very powerful magical chicken who thinks that he is the chicken thinks that he is its master and like constantly follows him around and tries to get guidance from him. But he's just a guy trying to be a farmer. It's very funny. What about you? (laughs) I, so I tend to read books way later than they're popular. Um, like years after them, it seems because I just have a too long to be read list. And so something I read this past and during the off season was red, white and Royal blue, which Mm, was absolutely perfect. So good. Start to finish a reimagining of the last four years of our life. Uh, at least politically speaking, where there was a female president and her son falls in love. The son, not both of them. The son falls in love with the Prince of England and then hilarity ensues from there. And it's lovely and beautiful with themes of, you know, coming of age themes with themes of um, sort of the problem of potential, which is a theme that always gets me. Um, Just that, that idea that you could do so much and you could be so much and you're disappointing other people if you don't do it. There's that, and I'm also still reading and really enjoying The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue. Uh, I discovered this offseason, actually, I will say, uh, that I was robbed as a child, as a younger child, that romance, I think, might be one of my favorite genres now. <laughs> I had no idea until I started reading romance novels, and I will attribute that partially to um, Nathan and Sam for getting me into fanfics, which are mostly just porn to be fair and to be honest <laughs> but like you so know, i well wanted to find more uh, like that yeah yeah it's it's well written yeah and so i wanted to find more like published fanfics essentially which i have found and enjoyed and they're all really lovely and nice if you just need like a, a shot of dopamine uh that's basically what it is serotonin and dopamine just a little cocktail yeah and play anything i really got into uh vampire survivors mm, um, so good and i'm now into spirit hunters i just love any rogue light yeah game. so good um always fun yeah so next question 
I've got another one from Christy in London. The dogs got off to a slow start in their first game this last year. Granted, playing Clemson is never easy, but last year's Clemson turned out to be good rather than great. Now, Oregon are not Clemson, and they aren't likely to even be last year's Clemson, but are you concerned about the potential for a slow start in one of our highest profile games of the whole regular season? Yes. So I'm not concerned about are we going to beat Oregon. I actually think we're way more talented than Oregon, but I am Mm -hmm. concerned in the sense that at the beginning of every game, and in particular the beginning of the first game, is very game script dependent, and while Dan Lanning is a first-time head coach and while he also, you know, is going to be playing against one of the most talented teams in the country in his first game, there's no doubt that he has a level of insight into how Georgia game plans offensively and just a level of insight into what are the weaknesses and strengths of Georgia's offensive players that pretty much no other opposing coach in the country could have. So that's all along with saying that I think we'll beat Oregon, but I could see it being, I don't know, shockingly close like Oregon goes down the field in the first quarter or the first drive and scores a touchdown for a little bit because I think that this is I guess spoiling the Oregon show but my or my sort of early vibe is that this is a game that UJ is going to win once you go off script and that Oregon actually might mm-hmm. have some success on script uh, maybe not necessarily I mean they have a very good defensive line so maybe more on defense than on offense, but I just think you give any good coach and in particular, any coach that's worked at Kirby smart or Nick Saban systems three months to prepare for a team that they know super well. I, you think that I, I have to imagine they're going to get some amount of leverage out of that. Even if it's just, you know, for one, one singular drive. Turbo over under. This is the final piece of the question from Christine London. Last year, UGA held eight teams to single digits. How many teams will UGA hold to single digits this year? Over under six and a half. So six and a half teams to single digits. Let's let's give a quick count. So I'm going to read these names off and you say yes or no, hold to single digits, and we'll count them all up. All Sound right. Good? Yeah, sure. All right. Oregon. No. Sanford. Yes. South Carolina. Uh, no. <laughs> Kent State. Yes. Missouri. Yes. Auburn. Mm, no probably not (laughs) uh vanderbilt yes florida no again probably not oh i don't know man tennessee hold on sorry florida is tempting because they do run they run a ground and pound offense that they don't have the players for but i'm gonna stay still they'll score at least 10 points so no tennessee definitely not mississippi state definitely not kentucky (sighs) hold on that's tough okay pause Mississippi State, it's like we could. I mean, Kirby's had a lot of success against. Well, he had pretty good success last year against Mike Leach, but they looked pretty good. So I'll say no. Sorry. Okay. Then you have Kentucky. No, Will Levis is good enough that he'll get them at least a touchdown and a field goal. And then Georgia Tech. Yes. Slam dunk. Windmill slam. I'm more confident of that than I am of holding Sam for an under nine or under 10. I'm just, I'm absolutely sure. So that's, that's five. That's five. Do you feel. Like you need to return to any of them. Six or are you gonna stick at five? Half is a lot, dude. I mean it's Georgia, a lot. Georgia could do could hit under on this bet and still be the best defense in the nation. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying mm-hmm. to think of the better teams. So of, you know, South Carolina, Oregon, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky, which are not all great teams, but mm-hmm. of the, they're in a better class than the Sanfords and the Kent State. Of those teams, what is the most likely to hold under? 
Like, I don't think I can get you to six and a half. I might be able to. You, okay. So, for instance, you might be able to sell me on the idea that even though Spencer Rattler is a really sort of very talented quarterback and they've got a lot coming back at South Carolina that hasn't gelled by the time we play them in week three. And, you know, we just hold them under 10 points just by virtue of the fact that Spencer Rattler just self implodes. You might be able to sell me on that, Mm -hmm. but even then I'm not fully sold. I think, I think five is where I would probably stick. Okay. Eric Russell asks, who is the stranger fit to the sec or their teams, Brian Kelly or Mike Leach? Oh, it's Brian Kelly. For sure. <laughs> it's so strange. Like, Mike Leach <laughs> is a strange guy, but politically and sort of just his oddball status, he fits in Mississippi. You know, so far as I can tell, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not like a Mississippi expert or anything, but Mississippi, like many parts of the <laughs> Deep South, prides itself in sort of the oddball status. And I think historically that all of Mike Leach's teams, their universities have sort of prided themselves in Mike Leach being Mike Leach, you know? So I I definitely think Brian Kelly is just a bougie guy from the Midwest and he got hired to LSU. It makes no sense. I mean, he's probably, he's a good coach. It's probably going to yeah. work. It's just crazy. It's like they, they went down to the closest homeowners association and they hired the president because he had leadership experience. Yes. Um, he runs a good neighborhood. No, I mean, he is a good coach. You're right. But <laughs> he just strikes me as HOA branded. A hundred percent. He is head coach. Yeah. One more question from Jacob B. How many times does the media need to see A&M go eight and four before they jump off the Jimbo hype train? Well, I mean, I think the promise of A&M is all of the priors that you look for in a team that can be up there with Ohio state, Georgia and Alabama are there at A&M in terms of, insanely mm-hmm. dedicated fan base giant money cannon i mean even probably bigger than some of those other teams <laughs> at that top echelon i mean just more money than god you know and now adding on to that you know that's always sort of been the sleeping giant giant theory of AM is they have money and they have devotion right but adding on to that mm-hmm. you have two of the best recruiting classes of all time and i mean it, it makes sense why they jump on the hype train it's it's like if you look for what are the sort of systemic factors that would cause you to think this team could be great and go from good to great? AM has all of them and has had all of them for the past couple of years. Now, I will say I do mm-hmm. think that this is the year that if they just freaking faceplant, this might be the year that people get off the train. We'll see what happens. Now we got some Twitter questions. This one's from Clint in parentheses Banshee. The UGA team is a meat and three. Who is the main protein and who are the sides? The drink, the dessert? Mm. Mm. That's a really good question. I think that probably Kenny McIntosh is the meat. You know, it's like a like a hamburger steak. Mm. You know, like just a really good, <laughs> solid, like like really good surprises you. Maybe they put some some peppers and onions on it, you know. It's just a shockingly good hamburger Ooh. steak. You know what I mean? Has some A1 on it. Like, I didn't know you could use that that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and, and it's just solid. And it's, it's, it's better than solid, right? <laughs> like, doing, calling it solid does a disservice. So who are the sides? Um, I think some of the sides are going to be, like, the, uh, our, our cornerbacks this year. Like, I mean, the ones you go for, like some mac and cheese. You need them. Yeah. You know, they're good. Yeah, Keely Ringo is definitely mac and cheese. Yeah, like, or, or but, you know, we, we're not sure of the other half of the cornerback right now. And so that's kind of like the, I know I love mac and cheese. It's usually a, a banger, 
but does this restaurant serve good mac and cheese? Is it baked? Is it grandmama's mac and cheese? Whose mac and cheese is this? It's important. Jalen Carter is fried okra because he's like, mm. he's just so good, dude. God, he's just so freaking good. <laughs> and you know, when you get it fresh and it's still a little bit crispy and you can see the cornmeal, it's more cornmeal than flour. And they have the actual oh, vinegar yeah. pepper sauce and they don't try to say like, oh, will Tabasco do? No, Tabasco will not do on fr- f- no. fried okra. But that's Jalen Carter because he's I need just. to see the peppers. Yeah, exactly. He's just so freaking good, dude. And like, maybe he got overshadowed mm-hmm. last time by some of the other sides. You know, you had Jordan Davis sitting there as like the world's best pot of collard greens. But I, I just, I, he's just so good, dude. Uh, we, we mm-hmm. have a vote for broccoli Bowers. Brock, <laughs> Brock, broccoli sour salad Bowers. Bowers. Actually, no, that's uh... that's not true. Brock Bowers is amazing, and broccoli salad uh, sucks sometimes. Yeah. I'm going to say that our tight ends have to be the dessert, like yeah. our, our tight ends as a whole, because you don't need tight ends to do what our tight ends do, just like you don't need dessert, but it's really nice to have it. And this dessert is like real ass banana pudding. Mm-hmm. That's literally what I was going to say. And you can't get enough of it. Any mm. the, uh, To me, the sign- I want all of it. To me, the sign of good banana pudding is when instead of vanilla wafers, the top is just like great value ba- brand Chessman cookies. Like there's flat chest like chessman cookies, except they didn't buy they didn't buy the real thing, you know. That's when you know it's gonna be amazing. I want banana pudding now. Mm, it's so good, dude. Ugh. All right, next question. J. Sam Jones. If if the defense takes a step back, will the offense still be able to match slash better its efficiency despite generally worse field position? The offense finished second in S P plus last year, forty one point four points. Uh is that rec- replicable or can it be improved on? I don't think it can necessarily be improved on i think the offense might have to lift more of the load in regards to like you said just like total yardage output because they won't have as many short fields but keep in mind like currently our cbcr2 metric which we just released on uh on r2sportsmetrics.com if you want to check it out has us as having a 40.75 score on offense now, obviously, we use different we use different numbers in SP Plus, but we're still producing points above average team, just like they are. So, I think we might be able to maintain that, but that's rarefied air, right? Like, so in our metrics, for instance, mm-hmm. Ohio State has the number one offense at forty four. We are number three at forty, and then we have Alabama at forty one point eight five. So, I don't think that this is going to be a forty four point offense like that, but I definitely think we could maintain that sort of mid like low 40s level josh west asks obviously missing out on the commitments from haynes and young we are knocked to the do- we're knocked to the dogs two things i feel like a commitment doesn't mean what it used to also given the fact that we have robinson and paul are these perceived misses being blown out of proportion a bit okay so just for some if you don't follow if you don't follow recruiting caleb uh sorry caleb young is the number one safety in the nation and he's also the number one player in georgia and Justice Haynes is the number one running back or number two running back. He's number two player in Georgia. And he's also a UJ legacy. Uh, he's Veron Haynes' kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, one, does a commitment mean what it used to? Eh, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, right? Like, obviously flips happen, but it seems like both of the ghost guys are pretty solid. They both committed to Alabama. You know, the Haynes thing sucks because he's a legacy, but sometimes that's how legacies go. They either... 
really want to go to the place that their parents went to or they really don't. Uh, Caleb Young probably smarts a little bit less because UGA currently has the number two safety in the nation committed. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't think they're being blown out of proportion. I do definitely think it is a sign uh, that people on, you know, the boards care about, which is that UGA currently only has two of the top 10 players in Georgia committed. And I think the first one they have committed is like number seven per 24-7, last time I checked. So in that sense, I get people being worried because Kirby has really made his bones on recruiting Georgia well. But I also think that, you know, ultimately we're going to end up probably with a top three recruiting class. So I don't know if I'd be that worried. It is a blow, but I don't know if it's if it's sort of burned down the house. Next question comes from Beetlejuice. What am I supposed to do with all this overstock superstitious energy I had saved up as if we didn't just win a championship? Oh, baby, that's what the first game is for. You you can spend... <laughs> Get it all out. You got a long weekend going into that game, right? So you you know you'll have a rest day. So you just cross every I, you dot every T, you do every superstition. You get, you get the right socks on, you get the right earrings on. That's what I'm going to do, right? And then win or lose, you'll at least have it out of your system. CSATL dog asks, which overrated East QB scares you the most? Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, or Spencer Rattler? Um, Probably Will Levis, but Spencer Rattler would be a close second. Next question, foot underscore asked. <laughs> Is Bo Nix the next Reggie Ball? No, because nobody ever suggested that Bo Nix should be a wide receiver. Because he's white. Mm-hmm. Writer Analytics. From a statistical perspective, has the gap between the top three, UGA, OSU, Bama, ever been wider seems like we were talking who is the fourth playoff spot more and giving automatic bids to those three haven't run the numbers but i think those three are td favorites against every other fbs team i cannot answer this question in terms of the history of it because we only have numbers that go back for a little bit but it is a very big gap to have all three there have been times in past years where we have had you know, gaps between one and two that were quite big. So for instance, if we just go back a couple of years on the CBCR2 archive, which you can find again at R2 Sports Metrics, if CBR2 2021, we had Georgia overall at 34, and then there was a pretty big gap to number two, Ohio State at 27, right? So that's sort of, you know, a pretty big gap. But again, I don't know, man. I'm I'm talking about it, but like last year, there was a, there was a pretty big back gap between three and four, and it was the same three teams, mm-hmm. right? So it was a five point gap at the end of the year between Alabama and Michigan. Yeah, so 2020 is where things start to kind of break down, right? Because you have Alabama a four point gap, then you have Oklahoma and Clemson, and then it's just one and a half point gaps all the way down. So yeah, I think really these last two years, per our numbers, at least in the last few years, 2021 and 2022 have had a bigger separation between the top three and the rest of the pack than anything else that we've seen. Now, you know, you do have years like Ohio state in 2019 was uh, funnily enough, our, our number one overall all time rank team, even though they didn't win the national championship, LSU did, but they have, they have a really big gap there where it's like 54 for Ohio state and then all the way down to 48 for LSU. But even then it's just, that's like a one, that's a one team gap and it's not three that have separated themselves out quite that much. So it's interesting. I, I don't have the answer to this like all the way back into the, the history of college football, but it, I, I don't think it's stupid to say that this is this is something that is going to be ongoing going forward, right? Next question. This one's from 
Brett, national champion, go dogs, belding. You might have answered this already, but if Jordan Davis played in the Redcoats, what would he play? Sousaphon. Next question. <laughs> I'll let you have it. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, um, he's 6'6". He's six, six. Where are they going to put him? It's Sousaphon. The answer is Sousaphon. I mean, we can go real wild and just throw him a piccolo. or I think he would probably play a saxophone pretty well. <clears throat> I've seen him dance. He's got some moves. And I feel like if you're a saxophonist, you got to have some moves. Like, it's just kind of something that every saxophone player does. Like, that is, the saxophone, like, hip thrust. That is accurate. I mean, I think he would make a pretty good trombone player. I think if I could put him anywhere, I would probably put him in the front ensemble just because I think it would be funny to see him play a marimba at his, like, knees or whatever. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Final One of the final questions. Dave Pet M. Some questions. Pick whichever are good and ignore the others. So let's we'll start with number two. Favorite and least favorite narrative for UGA coming into this season. Mine is the QB quote unquote battle. Yeah, I think my least favorite is probably the whole are they a real dynasty or not? Because that's not really something you decide in two years. My favorite? I don't know. I mean, I like that we're getting respect. What do you think? Do you have any? You have more narrative opinions than I do sometimes. Um, I'm thinking back to usually when we do an episode, I let everything that I put in my brain go at the end of it. So we've already recorded the one of the narratives, but the QB battle is silly. It's very silly. Like don't the the definition of stupidity or insanity is you know continuing to do the same thing over and over again expecting different results, and we've already done this. Right. We did the thing right. where we complained and and moaned right. and just fussed about Stetson Bennett. And then he won a national championship with his right. team, and now we're doing it again. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you guys, why can't we just be happy? Yeah, just let people be happy. <laughs> just let let the boy play, and go be happy. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> my favorite is rocked up Branson Robinson. Ah! That's my boy. Ah! He's rocked up. I saw He's rocked up as hell. I saw a picture of him on 24/7. It was just him, was and him in practice. He is looking fucking a hundred percent rocked up. I mean, just, <laughs> just so rocked. I think this is slap it on a t-shirt. I'm rocked up. I mean, he looks like a grown ass man. That's another, that's another uh, common, yeah. common one way to, to describe him. I'm going to, let me look up real quick oh, who yeah. tweeted this because I saw a very good tweet that was just a picture of him. Here we go. This was AJ Talk Sports seven hours ago. And I will put this on the chat real quick. Which you could see if you were on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve. But this guy, number 22, apparently, is what he's wearing in this scrimmage. But man, he looks like a man. Anyway. He's so big. Yeah. So this is basically um, a Boff Mary Kill situation. Okay. Is what we're looking okay. at. Okay. Okay. It's uh, would you rather lose to USC Junior and Florida, Auburn and Tennessee be dumpster fires, or go undefeated and Florida, Auburn, and Tennessee have a decent year? Oh, I'd rather go undefeated. I don't want to lose to USC again. I've done it before. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the uh, the year that Books for Keeps was honored and brought onto the field and mentioned, and then yeah. South Carolina beat us. And then I had to and... write 3,000 words about how I still cared about being a UGA fan because everyone was staring into the abyss so much. Final question. This one's all you. Lots of members of the Redcoats gained national attention last year. Are we losing any big pieces? What's the outlook for the band? Rebuild? Reload? Better than ever? Give us the recruiting and fall camp news from the band. This is such a good question. God, this is such a good question. And it's phrased so well. Anyway, I... This is Nathan's fetish. I this is it. I would say that we are in... We are, we are sort of at... We are peaking at the wave right now. We are on the top of the wave. Certainly lost some things out of the trumpet section. We've got a young trumpet, young but talented trumpet section. 
but the low end of the band is incredibly talented. The battery, you know, sustained some losses last year through uh, the real world draft through the senior eligibility expiring or whatever, but uh, <laughs> battery has really shown out in camp so far. Sounding really good. The, the low brass section in particular, I think not to toot my own horn is really excellent right now. Really good trombone section, really good, like way, way improved baritone section and really good sousaphone section. I would say, you know, this is a very last year was a te- was a team was a band that had a lot of talent, but faced up just so many obstacles from COVID and scheduling problems to you know, just all sorts of stuff, weather, everything you can name. And, and they showed a lot of grit. They were workout warriors. They really, <laughs> you know, they, they battled through it, but I'm excited going forward because I think this band already is ahead of where last year's band was last year, just by virtue of not having to face all of the sort of COVID protocol business that we had to deal with. And, and I, and I think they're showing like how excited they are to still be in band. And, you know, also uh, just like any other organization code COVID gave us an opportunity, not just to, well, not, not only was COVID a horrible thing in the sense that it was very disruptive and all these people got hurt or died, but in the same way that I think society writ large has come back from COVID and, you know, decided what do we want to keep? What do we want to lose? I think that the band has done a good job of, moving on from some traditions that had seen their due and adding some new traditions that needed that we needed and sort of had a reset in the culture. So I think this is going to be a very, very good addition to the band. And I know this all sounds like coach speak, but I'm actually being serious. Like I was listening to them last night and I'm, there's a couple of recordings on the chapel book of Twitter, really good at attacks, really good at sustains. We're still learning how to release, you know, but that's part of the process. We're still in fall camp. Nothing to worry about. We'll get those releases fixed up. You can't teach attacks and sustains like that, but we can teach a release by God. I, I think they're going to be quite good. <laughs> Finally, one more question actually from CSATL Dog. Favorite stadium non-Sanford edition? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I got to say probably Notre Dame if we were going to do non-SEC stadium. SEC stadium? Hmm. You know what's weird? Okay, so like, Obviously, Death Valley is great, but it's not like a fun place to be a fan. <laughs> like it's 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 impressive, but not fun to me. I mean, I'm sure it's fun if you're a home fan. One of the places that I've had the most fun in, the two places that will shock people probably are A, I know that people make fun of Vanderbilt Stadium, but I actually think it's fun that it's basically a high school stadium. I think it's cool. And I, they're going to renovate it, and it's good. <laughs> they need to renovate it. But the one that I actually unironically like is uh, Kentucky's. I think it has a really cool sort of visual profile. The black and silver and black and white checker is really cool. And the weather is always so nice. And you get like a nice fall day up there in October. Like highly recommend go to it, going on a trip to Kentucky if you haven't yet. I enjoyed – there's really not been a stadium I've been to that I just like hated – I mean, I've even been to Florida Stadium, and and it's hot as blue blazes, but it is a good it is a good home crowd. Blue blazes, uh, probably, yeah, probably Kentucky would be the number one SEC, and then yes, last is South Carolina. I like it. Well, Nathan, do you have any Ask CBC questions you want to bring to the class? What are you excited about for this season, Justin? With all the new shades as we have coming down the track, hmm. what what gets your engine rev- revving? Not in terms of UGA's football season, but in terms of Chapel Bell Curve stuff. Hmm. I am really excited about 
the sort of stats team that has taken it upon themselves to create a really cool new regressive model that is learning uh, how to be more predictive and, and more efficient and effective. I think that's really cool. And it's so weird that we're attached to that. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely <laughs> agreed. I also think it's really cool that through some listeners on the show, we were connected with the UGA New Media Institute to meet some students who will potentially be working with us and slash for us and be receiving college credit to work on this show. Yeah, we might get interns, baby, but we're not going to mistreat them. They're going to help us. We're so excited. If you're listening oh to this, if you're listening to this, how strange. If you were in UGA's New Media Institute and you would like to receive college credit and teach us how to use social media better and or work on sound editing and really just anything. There's so many things we could fix about this podcast. We would love to have you. You should be getting an email via, I think the new media listserv is that's how it's going to go out. So yeah. if, you, if you're interested, that's hit us up. Yeah. We give you the tools to be your boss. Uh, what about you, Nathan? I am most excited about two things. One, we're having a discord members only meetup on the weekend of homecoming. And we're going to get into the details of that over the next few weeks. And two, I am really excited. We haven't ironed out all the kinks, so we don't know when and how this is happening, but I think we are looking into doing more live shows. And I, I love mm -hmm. the live show that we had last time at authentic. Uh, we had a lot of technical problems and ended up starting, ended up starting like an hour and a half late. So, we are hoping mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to have a live show that goes off without a hitch. And it and it was one of the most heartening moments of my life to go to a live show and have more people than just like my parents and my siblings show up. So that's <laughs> that 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 really like strengthened my faith in humanity. So I, I'm really excited for us to possibly get another couple of those off. You ready to get out of here, man? I'm ready. Do you want to see us? I out? would love to. This has been Chapel Bell Curve. If you liked what you heard here today, we would love if you gave us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. We'd also love if you gave us a rating or review at your podcastier of choice. If you would like to, I don't know, log into your spouse's account and give us another Apple podcast review, we'd love that. Uh, if you just want to shout it from the mountaintops, if you want to consensually put notes about how good this podcast is in someone else's pocket, that's fine. But just get their consent first. We, if you really loved what you heard here today and you'd like to become part of an awesome, awesome, awesome community, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Chapel Bell Curve. That is the way that we keep this show uh, being a sustainable thing in both Justin and I's lives. And it also just gives you access to all sorts of fun bonuses in addition to the Discord. You can pay enough and you can make your own segment, ask your own questions that we answer every week. You can also... If, if you would like, get access to an unedited feed of the show, as well as access to all of our show notes and any other materials that we produce in the production of the show. If you would like to get in touch with us personally, you can give us a, an email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com. Don't expect a quick response. We never check it. <laughs> I mean, we will check it, but it's just not that often. You can also DM us on- It's not timely. Yeah, it's not timely. You can also DM us on Twitter at Chapel Bell Curve, or I suppose on Instagram or Facebook also at Chapel Bell Curve. We will catch you in the classic city, wherever you may be there and also in parts unknown. But until then, go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>